Good morning, Fullerton. Here are your headlines for the week of April 19. Number 1. Women's Transitional Living Center Breaks Ground on Hope House Hope is coming soon to survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking with the April 6th groundbreaking of Hope House, a new California craftsman-style four-bedroom, two-bathroom multifamily residence to be built in a Fulton neighborhood. When completed, Hope House will accommodate 16 to 20 survivors for up to 24 months at no cost to them, adding much-needed capacity for the transitional housing program run by nonprofit Women's Transitional Living Center, Inc. Number 2. Fire Command Agreement with Brea Ends The City Council voted to terminate Fulton's partnership with Brea for a shared fire department command staff, effective June 30. The shared command staff agreement began in 2011 as a way to save money for both cities. Fulton's current agreement with Brea was set to expire in 2024. On March 23, Brea City Council voted unanimously to terminate its shared command staff agreement with Fullerton and sent a termination letter on March 24. The letter does not give specific reasons why, but it likely has to do with the fact that Fulton is considering disbanding its fire department and joining the Orange County Fire Authority. Number 3. The State of the City The North Orange County Chamber, formerly Fullerton Chamber of Commerce, hosted a State of the City event at Cal State Fulton on Wednesday, March 30. The program featured a presentation of recent city projects and programs, including infrastructure, fiscal health, housing, homelessness, and economic development. To read our coverage of this event, visit www.fultonobserver.com. Number 4. Fox Foundation Brings On New Development Consultant After the tragic and unexpected passing of Fox's Executive Director Steve Fari on February 13, the Fulton Historic Theatre Foundation Board of Directors were fortunate to be introduced to Austin Barrow as a development consultant to help fill part of the void. Austin officially started working for the FHTF on March 30 and attended the State of the City event at Cal State Fullerton. Number 5. Students react to lifting of mask mandate. With the recent lifting of the mask mandate throughout all California schools, students have each made their own individual decisions on whether they should take the mask on or off, or have they? Students of Troy High School were called to fill out a focused survey in which their reasons for their reactions to the lifting of the mask mandate were analyzed and compared to the responses of other students in both similar and different predicaments. To read more about the student responses, visit www.fultonobserver.com. Hello, this is Adrian Meza, the Observing Fullerton podcast editor. Up next, I will be having a conversation with the Fullerton Observer editor, Jesse Latour. The music that you heard earlier was from Billy Yeager of Pacific Grove. Uh, all their information will, will be in the description of the podcast. So if you're interested in them, go check them out. And here's the conversation. All right. So today I am here with Jesse Latour, editor. And today we're going to be talking about uh, city council updates or just plain city updates. And we're just going to have a, a conversation with each other about that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I would, uh, you know, kind of instead of having a, an outside I guess for this, we were just kind of talk internally about uh, some of the recent reporting. So yeah, I'm Jesse Latour, I'm editor of the Fullerton Observer, and probably the thing that I cover most regularly are the Fullerton City Council meetings, which happen um, uh, every two weeks. And so I thought I would maybe talk about. Obviously, there's a lot of items that come up on you know City Council agenda, but you know, highlight a few kind of topics that I think are, you know, important things that we've reported on that were maybe a little bit controversial, or there was, you know, some debate, you know, kind of happening around it. So I'll just kind of, yeah, I'll just talk about them. And then if you want to um, chime in, chime in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll just kind of go in order. So um, 
let's see, actually this was about a month ago, this was Mar uh, March 15th, but uh, Fullerton City Council on March 15th, they voted, um, not unanimously, they voted, you know, there's five members, they voted three to two to approve 2.5% uh, sort of across the board uh, budget cuts. And it was debated a lot, you know, uh, during council meeting and, you know, members of the public weighed in because, you know, the city is already currently like pretty understaffed, you know, the, a lot of positions were, you know, either laid off or, or lost, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah, um, and I also believe that uh, in two, uh, lots of people were saying that we still haven't recovered from uh, 2008. Um yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that was a little bit before my time of writing for the paper. But yeah, I know that back then they did a lot of a lot, cuts, a lot of cuts. You know, as the economy went down. And so there was kind of debate about, you know, it, um, does it does it make sense to make further cuts? Now, the people who voted for it made the argument, well, it's more about kind of like fiscal sustainability. They referenced, you know, we have this sort of structural, you know, budget deficit. So kind of from a numbers perspective, it kind of maybe made sense to to make these cuts to get rid of our deficit. But then, you know, you have to kind of balance, right? The people who voted against the cuts were saying, well, we need to maintain adequate city services and we don't, you know, we're already really understaffed. Like, for example, like the landscaping division is uh, like, yeah. there's like 18 um, budgeted positions, but only like four filled right now. So, uh, yeah. so if you, you know, so if you make, you know, cuts to things like that, like, you know, there's a noticeable impact in kind of sort of quality of life kind of stuff. Now, it should be noted that um, the 2.5% cuts eliminated 21 staff positions. However, uh, they were all currently vacant. So they were like budgeted positions, but there was nobody actually in it. So nobody actually got like fired or laid off. But going forward, you know, the city is moving, you know, those positions are gone. So like, you know, when f funding comes in to hire people, we're going to be kind of at a lower baseline of services and staffing than we were before. So that was kind of the, you know, the debate was like, like I said, sort of between, you know, doing the math of the fiscal numbers versus the quality of life and services. And the council was not unanimous, but they ultimately voted to make the cuts. Another point that came up with that too, is the fact that the city of Fullerton got, I think $32 million from the American Rescue Plan Act. And, and so, that, uh, that money was to uh, rescue our, our city. Right, yeah. To, to bring back our jobs. Yeah, like for, you know, uh, revenue replacement and, you know, not all for that. I mean, there were different, you know, things the Department of Treasury said yeah. you could use that money for. And, um, but, you know, a big one was to make cities whole, you know, who, who had been affected. So um, there was also you know, some discussion about, you know, why are we making cuts if we're getting this big amount of bailout, you know, money that's kind of meant to to make us whole, and um, we'll see what happens. Who forward. were the uh, the council members who, who voted, yay or nay? Yeah, so the two who voted against the cuts were Ahmad Zara and Jesus Silva, and I, would, I don't know, I would say they're probably the more liberal or, or progressive leaning on the council, and then the three who voted for the cuts are uh, Nick Dunlop um, Bruce Whitaker and Fred Jung. And Fred Jung has kind of become sort of, he's oh, the mayor now. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of like the swing vote right yeah. now because he's, uh, sometimes he sides with, um, I guess, the more um, progressive-minded uh, guys. And then, but sometimes he sides with the other guys. So he's kind of like this sort of a wild card. He's, uh, he's the swing vote. Yeah. 
so what I have here um, are the, the cuts that are, are being made. So we have four police officers, um, four firefighters, um, and then some utility workers, two non-regular part-time positions. So they're not going to be, uh, so those aren't full-time. Yeah, um, and then most notable that people have been uh, a little upset about is uh, eliminate first night New Year's year year event. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like these cuts are permanent. Does that? Mean, I mean, I think that suggests that like those programs aren't funded moving forward. Um, I know obviously they weren't in, happening because of the pandemic. You know, people weren't going out to big public events but as we're recovering now i think people probably you know definitely want to get out and would probably enjoy doing things like the fishing derby or first night tree lighting ceremony tree lighting ceremony yeah that was that was very um, disappointing and then uh reduce fourth of july event to fireworks though so it's just going to be a fireworks show i do you think think? yeah well so normally on the fourth i think don't they they close off some streets downtown wait do they do? oh no they have a there's a program over by the high school i think where they have like booths and oh, events and stuff okay so fourth of july is just going to be a fireworks show i think so yeah. okay and this is totaling up to two two million seven hundred thousand dollars we're <laughs> tightening our belts i suppose yep. yeah even though the the belt was already Already Very tight. tight. Yes, we were. Yeah. We basically had a corset at that time. <laughs> yeah, uh. I mean, I guess on on a more positive note, um, you know, the city is so now that they've made these decisions regarding the budget, um, the city was kind of waiting on hiring or filling, you know, currently vacant positions. There's because there's something like 130 something budgeted but vacant positions, and so now that the they've made this decision, apparently they're going to start hiring, or they actually are hiring people again for the positions obviously not the ones that were cut but the ones that were um, vacant uh, but yes because they didn't know which ones were going to be yeah they were waiting on the council to give a direction okay should we move on yeah next topic new fire command (laughs) hopefully this stuff so one of the things that i you know i talk about sometimes when i tell people like i cover city council meetings is that it's like kind of sifting through a lot of kind of seemingly boring seeming stuff yeah you read like agenda reports and you know it's you know i'm not like i wouldn't normally be that interested in budgets and stuff but i guess you know it is interesting in the sense that it has a human impact right or has you know these are these are people's jobs their their livelihoods city services etc so anyway so it's kind of you know like so it's sort of like sifting through the uh, it's like you know you know when you watch like c-span right it's not the most exciting television (laughs) but um but, you know, nonetheless, people are making decisions that are affecting, you know, lots of people's lives. So anyway, so the next item that I, I thought I would, I would mention is uh, at the last council meeting, which was last week, um, the council voted to end its agreement with uh, Brea so for uh, fire command staff. So starting in 2011, this is actually after the... Um, the 2008 recession, you know, so cities were kind of thinking about ways to kind of save money. Back in 2011, Fullerton and Brea merged their fire command staffs. They still maintained separate fire departments, but they had like a singular fire chief, you know, that would for both departments and a few other higher ups. So um, the city of Brea sent a letter to Fullerton back in, I think, February saying that they wanted to end the uh, shared command staff agreement. And one of the big reasons why is because Fullerton is currently um, 
uh, analyzing a proposal to potentially disband its fire department and then contract out with the Orange County Fire Authority, which would be a big deal because, I mean, Fullerton Fire Department is like a hundred and something years old. It's got this, you know, really kind of, you know, local history to it. Um, and so, you know, that's another whole debate about, you know, we'd be losing some local control joining this larger entity. I mean, the arguments in favor are of joining OCFA would be that it's maybe less expensive. At least that's what their proposal, like what they told the city, like it's going to save you this much money. But um, the city is kind of doing its own independent analysis. The city's uh, actually hired like a, a consultant to analyze the OCFA's proposal. But anyway, so Brea, you know, kind of seeing the writing on the wall, and it seems like from what I've heard through the grapevine that the Fullerton Fire Department has been supportive of um, going to OCFA, which is interesting. Um, Probably, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, a more stable kind of organization. I mean, Fullerton over the last couple of years has had a lot of, you know, um, not just challenges with because of COVID, but challenges with kind of like leadership turnover, right? So we had, you know, um, like all these interim people that were kind of, uh, you know, not, not necessarily in the fire department, but just, you know, citywide, you know, we've had like an interim city, man- two different interim city managers, we've had, you know, people going to other cities. So I don't know, anyway, for whatever reason, it seems like the Florida Fire Department actually wants to go with OCFA. And Brea, you know, seeing the writing on the wall is like, okay, well, you know, we wouldn't then be working together because you, yeah. they want to, Brea wants to retain their own fire department. And I think, the current chief, um, Adam Lozier, is actually going to stick with Brea. And so he was sort of our Fullerton Fire Chief and Brea's, but you know now he's going to go just over. go over to Brea. And then so we, don't, we actually need to hire a new fire chief, but probably in the interim, because ultimately it looks like we might be going with OCFA, but that's not yet decided. Would that be then saving us money because we are then going to Orange County? Or the OCFA. Yeah, so OCFA uh, a couple of meetings ago gave a presentation to the council, which would and, then be saying, but and, yeah, it said you know it's going to save you. I think it was like twenty eight million dollars a year. It was like you know a very large amount, but of course they want they they are selling the point. To yeah, us. you know it's a bit of a sales pitch. Uh, yeah. Even though you know they're not like a they're Blank, not, they're, they're I don't not think a private they're, company. Yeah. yeah, they're not like a for profit organization, but. You know, they want more people to join because it kind of makes their makes them bigger, makes stronger them, yeah. organization. So, and then the 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 firefighters, I heard that they are also getting a um, a, a pay raise if that does happen. That is what you know. You kind of hear rumors through the grapevine. I haven't seen any like data on that. Any, um, any? Okay, but I mean, it it does say a lot that the fire department has not come out vocally during council meetings against the OCFA proposal because mm-hmm. there was another, I remember I don't know, a couple of years ago when Fullerton was considering this agreement with Placentia um, and the fire department like came out, you know, in droves, like, you know, to the council meeting saying, you know, uh, you know, we don't want to do this. You know, this is bad for, for us. So I guess you kind of got away. I mean, are they for it or against it mainly just because it's, you know, they'll get a pay raise or it's more, you know, more financially lucrative, you know, but then from a resident perspective, you know, how will it affect our services? Well, I think what most residents care more about is like, are we going to have the same quality of services? Like, will someone be there when my house gets on fire? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, a lot of what they do is like medical emergency stuff. So, you know, like, well, you know, what will the response times be? Yeah. That kind of thing. I did hear, uh, 
people who are against it saying that they are then going to be in Huntington Beach and then having to drive all the way over here. No, I, they they would still be in the same stations. Yeah, correct. correct. Yeah, even under OCFA, Fullerton would retain its six fire stations. Exactly. Um, the employees would, many of them would likely stay here in Fullerton, working out of those stations. But it would just be they would be called OCFA instead of Fullerton Park. Yeah. Department. Okay. Um, Redistricting. <laughs> That's a big one. I think, you know, we did a, a long discussion uh, with... I think um, two hours long, I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> with Professor Jody Balma from um, Fulton College, political science professor who knows a lot about redistricting. And actually, I'm not... I really haven't been... I mean, I've been sort of, you know, reading about it and talking about it. But um, Jane Rands, who's our uh, one of our reporters, has been really kind of paying close attention to the Fullerton redistricting. I guess the only thing that I would say is it's, you know, if you, if you hadn't heard... It's happening. <laughs> yeah. So the, the there's five uh, districts, city council districts uh, in Fullerton. And so um, this was a, a change that happened in 2016. Uh, it was as a result of a couple lawsuits arguing that Fullerton's previous system where people would just run at large. There were So there used to be no districts. If you lived in Fullerton, you could run. And uh, a couple lawsuits, um, and this has happened in a lot of other cities too, uh, yeah. alleged that that at-large system... Um, Makes it so that uh, lower-income people were not able to run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it would, you know, kind of dilute the vote of, like, um, you know, minority you know, yeah. you know, populations or uh, underrepresented populations. So, yeah, so the, basically that they said it violated the California Voting Rights Act. And so, you know, ultimately, back in 2016, we got these districts... Um, it ultimately was a controversial process because you would think that um, it would just be kind of like data and math determining like what the districts are. Like, okay, here's the demographics, here's the you know mapping. We'll just input this data, and then we can have like these nice districts. But of course, it's political as well, right? So, city council ultimately um, got to choose a map last time that kind of, well, that definitely ignored a map that had been created through a lot of community outreach and work with a demographer. This, at the last minute, back in 2016, this downtown like business owner submitted a map that totally cut up the downtown. Made into, it so, into four different... Five. Yeah, like basically disenfranchised the downtown like as a district, and then the council like approved that map, which was like kind of a slap in the face, I thought, to like all the community members who bothered to get involved with the process and a very similar thing i would say some might disagree but a similar thing i think kind of happened this time again where we had um a group that was comprised of you know a lot of people from the community um that had they created what they called the fullerton redistricting coalition and you know um kind of you know gave their own map and Huge community support too. yeah well, yeah i mean if you, if you look at just like the numbers of like how many people were participating in the public hearings and from the public speaking in favor of you know a certain map it was undeniably there was a certain map called map 110 that, that the community like really um supported however the redistricting advisory commission and then ultimately city council decided to go with another map uh, a different map. And of course, both sides, you know, uh, alleged that it was political, right? Like, um, they were trying to keep a council member in, in a district. Yeah. So the, um, some people were saying, so we're talking about like Jesus, the, the person who was most ultimately affected by the new map is 
Councilmember Jesus Silva. So under the new map, he gets pushed into uh, from District 3 to District 2, where so he will not be eligible to run for council for another two years because of um, there's already a District 2 representative, Nick Dunlop. So it was kind of, I don't know, it was interesting, like just kind of watching the redistricting hearings, kind of like, you know, talking to people about it. Um, you know, nobody says in the in those meetings, like, I'm doing this for, for pol- the, political yeah. gain or I'm doing this for political purposes. But they, they all say, you know, the right words. They're like, well, this is just for like, you know, communities of interest and contiguous and, you know, all the like the terms that they're supposed to use yeah. to like have the best map or to, you know, that are you're allowed to do when you're creating a map. Behind the scenes, I think there was some politics going on, just like as there Very was so. last time. So I would maybe side a little more with the community group, right? Because they, yeah, they, they also it was it was a huge. There was a lot of people. Lot they of put people. in a lot of, you know, input and workshops and stuff. And the whole process was was complicated or made more challenging because of the pandemic. So normally, you know, when there's not a pandemic going on, they would have community meetings in certain neighborhood centers, and and you know, we hopefully get you know as much public participation as possible. With the pandemic, a lot of those meetings had to be like Zoom or virtual, and there was prob- some problems with public noticing, you know, giving enough time in advance. So the meetings were not really that well attended, unfortunately, um, when they were developing the maps. Yeah, and I believe we only had um, how many maps? About 15? I think 50, yeah. So members of the public could submit maps. A couple members of the redistricting advisory commission submitted maps. And then the demographer who the city hired to like make sure that the maps comply with the laws and stuff. Uh, he cre- he d- made a few maps as well, which were usually based on community-submitted maps. And he then he just cut the edges. Make them a little com- more compliant with the laws, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, kind of like last time. It was, you know, it was uh, what's supposed to be kind of a neutral process kind of get becomes political. And I guess that's inherent because you're drawing districts for political offices, so interested parties are going to do what they're going to do. And I believe that map 110 was also very similar to the uh, map that was submitted uh, in 2016. Yeah, the community map. Looked um, very, very similar. Very similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, eh, I don't we'll, know. We'll see yeah. what happens. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Some people get really, like, I don't know. I guess you could get you could get angry or maybe get angry. I don't know. I'm kind of like... Uh, going with the flow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, a couple more topics. Um <clears throat> Uh, neighborhood centers. So uh, another thing that I'm kind of seeing as as a bit of a trend in Fullerton, uh, which is not necessarily unique to Fullerton, is like uh, outsourcing of services or kind of um, whether it's privatizing, you know, certain services. Um, You know, for example, uh, what would be, you know, like streets. uh, Do we do street sweeping? Do we have our own street sweepers? Maybe Um. we do. I'm not sure. I haven't. I don't think so. Okay. Do you think Republic? That's trash. Well, so yeah. So we outsource. Well, do I, I'm saying, do you think Republic also has a sweet sweeping? Uh, sweet sweeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. I'm not sure about street sweeping, but for like trash, uh, that you know, it's outsourced to a company called Republic Services for like um, ticketing and like parking enforcement downtown. In the last couple of years, the city has contracted with a company called SP Plus. Um, our IT department has I, yeah they did get outsourced has been pretty heavily outsourced for the last couple of a few years, um, and so yeah it's kind of like an interesting development is in terms of like outsourcing services. I think it's potentially problematic in in the sense that 
if you're outsourcing to a private company, uh, you know, like a for-profit company, I mean, those in favor would say, oh, well, maybe they're more like efficient or, or something like that. But oftentimes, you know, the people who are working for the private companies versus working for the city are going to probably be paid less, maybe not have the same kinds of kind of job security and benefits that you might have, you know, with like a government job. Um, and maybe people think that's just fine. But, you know, if people want to be able to afford to, to live, people need to be able to afford to live. Um, anyway, so another, I guess another version of outsourcing that happened uh, recently at a, the last council meeting is the city has um, begun leasing out two of its community centers to uh, local nonprofits and, um, to kind of do, you know, community uh, services and stuff. And this is not necessarily bad. I don't know if I have a, um, a take on this. So the one center that was leased out at the last council meeting was the Gilbert Community Center, and that was leased to a local nonprofit called OC United, um, which is kind of, an, I know they're not probably officially connected, but I just know because I know some of the people involved. It's an outgrowth of the EV Free Church in Fullerton, the um, Fullerton Free Church, and the so they're going to be leasing the Gilbert Community Center. Which is interesting is the the amount they're paying per year is one dollar. What? So <laughs> okay, wait, I, I didn't know about that. <laughs> so well, so it's not really that the city isn't obviously saving or making money by having the nonprofit pay them leasing money. The, the, the way the city is seeing that they're saving money is the city doesn't have to provide for those uh, services. They don't yeah, have to pay employees to, to do those services. So the nonprofits say like, Hey, we we're basically providing these services essentially free, you know, um, because it's, you know, we're they They have their own like private funding or whatever. So anyway, so I don't know that's happening in the Gilbert one. The one that was a little more contentious is the Maple community center, which, um, is larger and is, was a pretty popular, uh, venue for, people to rent out for like weddings or quinceaneras or, um, you know, just community events and stuff. So they actually decided there was a nonprofit called the Friendly Center out of Orange that was going to be um, leasing for a dollar a year, the Maple uh, Community Center, but the council was not totally convinced uh, on that one. So they actually continued that. So that ha that hasn't like officially happened yet. I think it probably was because Gilbert Community Center is kind of smaller. OC United is a pretty well-known, like, local Fullerton um, nonprofit. Maple Community Center is bigger. Friendly Center is, a, you know, from another city. And so they maybe don't have the kind of community buy-in or, or whatever, or familiarity yeah. that the other one does. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Like, there's a couple issues with it where, one, if they are leasing it, then members of the community wouldn't be able to rent it out, you know, for community events. And then also for venues and everything. Yeah. yeah. And also importantly, it was brought up too um, that if the city loses control of its community centers, then when you have things like redistricting or you have to do like community workshops in specific neighborhoods that you really want to reach, then you lose that access. So the city's kind of giving up its own facilities to do the kind of community outreach that it's like required to do or needs to do. So that that's kind of a drawback as well. So it's I don't know. It's kind of like it's seen as a as a cost saving measure, but it's like like anything. You got to kind of weigh like what are you losing, what are you gaining, kind yeah. of thing. Do you think that this is going to be permanent? 
Uh, well, it, the lease agreement, because I'm a nerd and I've read the <laughs> staff report, so the lease agreement is for, I think, five years, and then, but an option for like two five-year renewals, so it's potentially for 15 years, oh. which is, that's quite a while. Okay, and then the last one. Um, housing. Housing, yeah. So housing update. So at the last council meeting, um, someone from the city gave kind of an update on, uh, you know, kind of housing issues. I would say the most, for me, the most interesting part of um, kind of the housing policy at the city level is cities have to put together, and Fullerton has put together something called a housing element, which has to go to the state for approval. <clears throat> and a big part of that is, sorry, kind of getting into the technical weeds here a little bit, but um, <clears throat> so cities are allocated a number of housing units that they need to plan for over eight-year cycles. So and that's called the Regional Housing Needs Assessment. And because California uh, is, you know, is, has this housing crisis, there's been a big push, you know, from the state to build more housing, build more residential to kind of like meet the, meet the need or the demand. And so for Fullerton's current housing element cycle, well, the last housing element cycle, the, the, the number that Fullerton was meant to build was like uh, 1,800 units over an eight-year cycle. For this next cycle, moving forward, starting this year, and then... It increased? To 13,000 units. So it increased by an enormous amount. And this was not just for Fullerton. This was sort of like statewide yeah. to kind of deal with this housing you know, crisis. And so, you know, the challenge for the city is like, so how do we they have to put together a housing element plan to plan for that amount of development? Now, the city doesn't actually build housing, but in the housing element, they have to show that we have identified sites where there could be housing. We've, you know, maybe created some programs that would enable um, that extreme density of, of housing coming in. And so, of course, you know, housing is such a, kind of contentious issue in California. I mean, it's obviously become increasingly unaffordable for your generation, <laughs> even even my generation. Struggling um, college student, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you got like, uh, I don't know, what's the, the median home price is, what, like something like 700, 800K, you know? Yeah. Is that, um, is that doable I'm, for you right I'm now? I'm looking at Adrian? Zillow and um, I'm like, oh my Lord, I have to win the lottery just to <laughs> afford a home. Yeah. Which is weird because it wasn't, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't. You know? Yeah. It's much harder. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, one, you know, solution is, you know, this idea of like, well, how do, how do we deal with this? We just like kind of build, we just need to build more housing. Crit critics of that would say, well, what we really need to do is build more like affordable housing. Um, so that would be like, you know, like government subsidized um, housing through like vouchers or, you know, housing built by nonprofit groups that sort of specialize in affordable housing. I don't know. And then there's other group people who say like, no, we just need to build more at all levels because of kind of like supply and demand issues. Um, that, I'm, I'm agnostic about that. I don't know. I'm, that, I'm, that can, that can definitely hurt. If, if we have a lot of uh, units here, then, you know, other people from other cities are then going to see, oh, they have a lot of units. Uh, the prices are going down. Uh, and then we're just back in the same boat that we are. So I don't, I don't really think that getting more units would, would really help with that, especially yeah. since we do have three colleges in this city so that, you know, we're, we're going to get students filled in those. I Not think affordable housing would be the, the, the thing that we need, government subsidized. Yeah. The problem is, unfortunately, that, I mean, that kind of depends on higher level 
policymakers, you know, kind of yeah. allocating funding for that. And the, I mean, the truth of the matter is, given the sort of economic system in which we live, most new housing that is created is created by private for-profit market, you know, sort of like you know, um, that kind of thing. You know, we do get, occasionally we'll get like affordable housing projects. Like there's one in Fullerton that's in the early stages of planning for 1600 West Commonwealth. There's an affordable housing developer that's going to, all those units will be, you know, subsidized and, and affordable. But yeah, I would say the majority of actual developments that, that, that come in, the majority of units are just going to be what they call like market rate, which means like super expensive. And um, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. It's a whole debate. It's a whole thing about like, how do we, you know, um, how do we deal with this? Yeah, I believe a studio that originally that when I first moved out here uh, was going for 1200 flat is now going to be 1800. Yeah, there you go. So it increased 600 for the same exact unit in four or five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's increasingly you know, unsustainable for, um, especially for the you know the younger generation of, of folks who are trying to get into housing, and it's a basic need, right? Everyone needs to Everyone shelter. Has, needs like a yeah, food, <laughs> shelter, love. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think those are all of uh, the things that I wanted to mention. Obviously, there are many other things that the council is voting on. Uh, you know, they, they meet, uh, it's every two weeks. You can go to the city of Fullerton.com. Next one's next week, right? Next week, I think. Is that the 19th? Uh, the, yep. The 19th. April 19th. They're at 530 and you can go in person now, um, mm-hmm. in the city council chambers at city hall, 303 West Commonwealth Avenue. And you can also, um, view them remotely and you can also participate via zoom. So if you, you know, if you want to, you can just call in and you can comment on, Items and it's a good idea even to, to kind of check the agenda before the meeting, right? So you know what they're going to be voting on, and then maybe there's something you want to comment on. You usually get three minutes to say your piece. Exactly three minutes. If you say more, they will they will definitely cut you off. Your on. time is, and sometimes they they cut it shorter if there's a lot of people speaking. Oh. I've seen that happen sometimes, huh. but normally three minutes. Uh, okay, I think that's it. Do you have any questions, yeah. Adrian? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of info. I still couldn't find whether or not we actually outsource sweet sweeping, street sweeping, sweet sweeping, sweet sweeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think uh, the city does it. Yeah, maybe we still have those trucks. We well for the time being. <laughs> for now. All right. Well, that's going to be uh, it for us. Thank you all for listening, um, and we'll see you all next time. Alrighty, that is the end of today's podcast. Fultonians, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Fulton Observer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with the latest Fulton news. Full-length stories of all our headlines are available on the Fulton Observer website, or you can subscribe to the print edition that gets mailed to your home every two weeks. You can also donate to support local journalism on our website. The journalists behind our headline stories are Dan Pittman, Jesse Latour, Todd Huffman, and Isha Salman. Adrian Mesa is our editor, and I'm Arush Navid, your host.